Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 reads, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked, saying, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this was uttered through the prophet of Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and sights that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses." Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all those in the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls them himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to that day about three thousand souls." 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. For today's nugget of truth, I want to focus in here on the last section of this chapter, verses 42 through the end of the chapter, where we see that believers are gathering together and devoting themselves to one another. And this word fellowship occurs here. And it's a word that we see a lot around churches, but I don't think that we really always grasp the fullness of what is meant to be understood by that word. Because when we see what's going on here, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And as they're growing, as they're adding more members to them daily, what they're doing is they're becoming partners in this movement. They're sharing together and everything. And when I've heard people talk about this, they're like, oh, basically they're this little communistic community. But what I think they're missing as they're looking at what's actually happening here is what these people are doing is what God had always intended for them to do, for them to love God and for them to love the people around them. The love for the people around them meant that they were making sacrifices for the good of those around them. So they're selling things like their possessions. They're selling their lands. They're selling different things so that they can provide for the other people that are in great need in this community. And in doing so, they're embodying what God has called people to do as his chosen people. If they believe that God is the one who has done these great things for them, then they will live in accordance with what God has commanded. The greatest part of that command is a genuine love for others that means that you are willing to sacrifice of your own to allow others to experience what God is trying to do with them. All of this is encompassed in that word fellowship or this mutual sharing of everything that they have. They're becoming partners in the gospel together with one another, meaning that they're expressing this through all that they do. And so when we use fellowship today, we often think, hey, we're getting together to share a meal. Now, certainly here it says they're breaking bread and they're praying, but there's more to that than just eating a meal together. And so in the context of Christianity that I grew up in, you'd have a fellowship meal, basically meant that you were going to have a potluck. People would get together, they would eat, the kids would play games, then everybody would go home. And so this whole concept of fellowship is often diminished in our culture, and we're not understanding truly what it means to be a part of what God is doing in the midst of his people. To be a partner or to be a part of the fellowship meant truly that you were trying to live in accordance with all that God had commanded so that the gospel would be extended through your midst. And so as we think about that fellowship, as we think about that partnership, as we think about that call for us to be a part of that, hopefully it's a challenge today for us to ask the question of what are we doing to live in community with others? What does it look like as we seek to extend the gospel wherever we go? Are we willing to make any sort of decisions that truly elevate others and their needs above our own? Are we willing to make sacrifices? What does it look like for our love to be on display in our community so that the gospel is put on display, so that as we see in this last part of the verse, that added to their number day by day those who are being saved. 
That's what happens when God's people are joined together in fellowship, in a partnership for the cause of the gospel. The gospel extends because the gospel is put on display in their lives. So for our question for today, we're going to say, what is up with the speaking of tongues here in Acts chapter 2? And so that's something that is commonly referred to as a question about whether or not we believe that people can still speak in tongues. Rather than answer that question, we're going to focus on what this text displays speaking of tongues is. The speaking of tongues that we see in this passage occurs when the Holy Spirit comes upon these individuals and they speak, but everyone is hearing what they say in their own language. And so these are known languages that are being heard and understood as these people are speaking utterances about the gospel. And so as they're doing this, this is not like a magic prayer language. This is not something else like that. But it is speaking and the people are hearing in their known languages. So they speak all as Galileans, we see in verse 7, but each person who is there in these different places that are listed around there are listed to show the diversity of these people groups and where they're all coming from are all hearing in their known language. And so we see that these people are all understanding that and that the gospel is being put on display and that people are trusting in the individuals who are sharing this because of this miraculous sign that has taken place. It's also important to notice that it's not commanded here that other people do such things and speak as they speak. Instead, we go on to see that Peter gives a great discourse on what the purpose of what they see is in calling the people to repentance and displaying what they should do as they seek to follow God. This miraculous event in the presence of these people was to display that God had chosen them to be the ones who continued to be his witnesses and continued to tell the story of God to others. We'll come across the speaking of tongues later on in 1 Corinthians, and so we will talk a little bit more about it there, but I think it's just important to notice here in this context, specifically speaking on what the text is displaying is important for us to understand what we're going to see later on, as well as for us to understand what God was intending for us to see in the communication of the gospel in this context. So maybe that was your question. Hey, what's going on with speaking of tongues? What is it? How does that work? Here we see that it is specifically people speaking in their own language, but the others around are hearing it in their own languages that are different than the original people speaking it, including the great diversity of those who were there. And we see that that is given to them as a sign or as a symbol that they are God's chosen people who are continuing his work in their midst. Maybe that was your question. Maybe you have another question. As always, seek out an answer to that question. Continue to study the scriptures so that you grow in your understanding as well as your love for the Lord and know today you were loved. You're-